0: But what we found in hearing this from hiring managers and others is, is that certifications kind of establish this this baseline of trust, right? You might still get the job otherwise, but the certification, going through that, that kind of extra step, that gets your resume from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile, right? They, they interviewed a bunch of hiring managers. 60% said that the, having IT certifications on your resume, it's more likely that, that the application is going to be reviewed.
1: There. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Maruyama. Aloha folks, and welcome back to Degree Free, where we teach you how to get hired without a college degree. I'm your host, Ryan Maruyama, and I'm super excited to have on today's guest, Matt Shikatano. Matt is the manager of the SaaS certification program. SaaS is a global data and software solutions company. Now, if you don't know what SaaS is, don't worry. Truth be told, when Matt and I first connected, I didn't know what SAS was either. We are going to get into all of that. And we are going to get into what SAS means for your careers and the different certifications that they have that you can use. You can learn more about SAS at sas.com. And you can learn more about their certifications at sas.com learn. Now, this is a great episode because on this podcast, we talk so much about certifications and how getting one of them can help you move up in your career. So we not only talk about the 26 different certifications that SAS has to offer and how you can use those in your career to move up, But we also, towards the end of the episode, we talk about the certification process in general and what it takes to actually create a certification and what goes into it. Now, if you're thinking, what should I do? What different certifications should I get? what certifications are out there, this is the perfect episode for you. We go over all that and more in this very, very wide-ranging conversation. This episode is gonna have a lot of links, so you can find all the links to everything at degreefree.co slash podcast. You can connect with Matt on LinkedIn, and I'll put a link to his LinkedIn in our show notes. While you're there, connect with myself and with Hannah. That's Ryan Mariyama and Hannah Mariyama. And the last thing before we get into today's episode, if you want to receive weekly tips on how to get a great job without a college degree, how to land that promotion, how to make that career change, whatever your career goal is, go to degreefree.co slash newsletter and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. And without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Matt Shikitano. Aloha folks and welcome back to the Degree Free Podcast. I'm super excited to have my guest today, Matt Shikitano, with us from SAS. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
0: Ryan, thank you. Looking forward to chatting with you.
1: Um, Matt, before I get into SAS and all of the certifications and all the great things that you guys are doing over there, I kind of wanted to talk about you know what your current job is right now and kind of a little bit about your background, where you came from and what you're currently doing in the certification space.
0: Sure. Yeah. So the background, you know, I listened to enough of your other episodes to know that that a lot of us seem to have kind of like fallen into what we do in, in a way. We didn't all set out to do this. I was a political science major, right? So so your message and, and what you're doing here kind of resonates with me because I think I did work in politics for maybe two years, right? And that's when I graduated from from college. And then I happened into a job selling vouchers at one of the biggest exam delivery providers that that's out there in the market. So all of us. In, in certification, when we take these tests, we hand them over to someone else. And, and this was before online testing, right? So this was these were test centers. You package your test, you, you handed it to them, and they, they went out and sold it. So I worked there uh, for probably six or seven years, um, moved into an account management role. And, and at the time, it, you know it was kind of frustrating because you had these really big clients bringing in a lot of money for them, lots of tests and all of that. And I had a portfolio of about 40 IT certification programs. And they were all smaller programs, or not the biggest, right? And in hindsight, that was valuable to me because it, it's ultimately helped me move into my current role, which is managing the, the certification program here at, at SAS. And previously at, at another organization as well, I did a, a similar, similar role. So all told, about 16 years of certification-related work. And uh, what I'm responsible for here at SAS, we have uh, about 26 or so, last I checked, credentials out there in the market. These are certification exams that cover SAS software. We talk a little bit about what that that means in a few minutes. But I have three certification developers on my team, um, and it's their job to take the training and the course materials and the experience requirements that it takes to do a job using SAS and convert that into an assessment vehicle, which is a a test. Sometimes those are multiple choice type questions. Sometimes those are what we would call performance-based tests, more of a a do, right? Show me versus tell me uh, that you can do this. And what's important about what we do is we sit down with our subject matter experts and we go through this rigorous process of developing these certification exams so that they are valid, right? And, and, And that means they measure what we intend for them to measure. That they're reliable, that they measure the same thing across a group over a period of time, and that they're fair, that they're unbiased. And that's becoming more and more important, increasingly important as we talk about neurodivergence and, and, and other aspects. And then we take all of those, those aspects, and that gives us this legal defensibility too. That we, you know, if somebody comes back and says, I failed this test and it's the test fault, well, we went through all these steps to make sure it wasn't the test fault. And it's that you, you don't know what you're doing, not that, you know. So our job is to make sure this vehicle is out there so that folks can prove their competence. Across the SaaS portfolio uh, of technology, and then use that to to get a job, get a better job, get that raise, increase their their professional influence on projects, and that type of thing.
1: You use the word there, and you forgive me. I'm a Neanderthal. Uh, neuro it's, it's the beard. Divergence. It's both of us. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I will say. I'll stop right here and I'll say <laughs> I do not get out bearded on this podcast very often. <laughs> And uh, I am feeling a little insecure today. So for those listening, go, definitely go to the YouTube channel and 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 check it out. Uh, Matt has a very majestic beard. Maybe we could but, do a
0: whole podcast just on that. Right? <laughs> Mine's a little yeah, grayer yeah. than yours, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you used neurodivergence there. Could we just define that term?
0: Sure. This is a term that it's a large term. And, you know, I don't may not get it technically right. But but to me, it's, it's kind of a developing term as well. And this means things like folks with maybe autism or ADHD or different uh, dyslexia. They can comprehend the same as the rest of us. In most, you know, uh, most situations. However, they may it may be a different way that they need to learn. And sometimes it's as simple as you know changing certain factors within our exams that might cause you know test anxiety, changing fonts, changing those types of things. So it could be a, a number of different things that we would factor into that. But as we look at you know the importance of DEI and, and inclusion, we don't want to make a test unfair to somebody because of the way the test is structured versus the content. Of the exam itself.
1: I am really excited to talk to you because I kind of view my job as knowing every other job that exists out there so that I could tell our audience. And I didn't even think that your job was that existed, right? I mean, now that I think about it and now that I know that you exist, it makes sense because somebody has to be in charge of these certification programs and somebody has to be in charge of getting it out there, but also making sure exactly everything that you're saying, right? That everything's fair and that it is up to standard and that the certifications that you're pushing out, they aren't just they're, they're of value and they're not just diluted down and they're when you're hiring somebody with these certifications that they've been tested to a standard. And so I'm really excited to get into that. For those people listening though, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, what is SaaS? like? What is the product of SaaS? Because I'll tell you from myself, when I go to your uh, website, when I go to SaaS and I look at it as somebody that isn't well versed, or maybe as somebody who's maybe thinking about a career, I can't really figure out what you what you folks do, because it's a lot of jargon. It's a lot of data and analytics and everything like that. So if, I wonder if you can in a nutshell, you can kind of describe what SAS does.
0: Sure, sure. We, we've we, we are not always a household name in certain industries, right? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of folks in technology or anyone that's worked with data tends to, to Oh, yeah, yes, I've used SAS for a number of years. And, and we're a big favorite. Uh, we're statistical Analysis Systems is is what SaaS technically stands for. We've been around for 40 years. We are are still the world's largest privately owned software company globally. If I had to to put it in a sentence, right, we help businesses make sense of all their data so that they can make smart business decisions. So we are in the majority of the Fortune 500 companies use SaaS in some capacity. We operate in 150 countries uh, but again, it's not a, a name you might sit around the table and, and talk about, you know, at dinner. But that's what we do. And these are, you know, we talk about the companies that, that we serve. It, it's in most market verticals. These are generally medium to large enterprise, right? These are companies that have a massive amount of data. They need to make informed decisions so that they can improve their operations or, or achieve particular business goals. And we give them the ability to, to process and analyze these, these large amounts of, of data. And then there's aspects of it, you know, they all have... Various requirements or high expectations, I should say, for security, you know, reliability and performance as well. So we provide these platforms uh, for them to do it. If we talked about you know where you might find us most commonly, that's going to be in uh, finance, risk, fraud, you know, all of these types of things that big banks and, and insurance organizations have to, to prevent. We provide platforms to, to help do that healthcare life sciences huge clinical if you i bet if you googled clinical trials uh, and you talk about pharmaceutical drugs and those types of things it, sas would be right there probably in every job requisition you would you would you would come up with right but even just googling the term clinical trials we're going to be right there we're, we're kind of the gold standard there but retail telecom government you know we're, we're predicting helping companies predict churn business intelligence intelligence right dashboards taking All of the data within an organization and putting together a dashboard for management to understand what we need to do over the next quarter over the next five years uh, to achieve our goals and and so you know we talk about certification we talk about certifying sas is also a programming language right so you can program in sas to do these things with your data so that's a big thing that that we do so a lot of what we do is programming Uh, but then we also you know we're in the solution space as well there's a lot of we can prepackage a lot of these things, these models, these algorithms, uh, and then work with you to implement that within your organization with the tweaks that you need for your company and your business goals.
1: Let me try to take a stab at summarizing all of this uh, as, as as if I were five or I am five. So uh, when you're looking at this, these companies are basically have a large data set and they are implementing SaaS and you folks and the people, the administrators and the people that are uh, mining and then putting these in data into dashboards so that the decision-makers can make decisions. Is that kind of? That's
0: right. Yeah. I mean, you're not far off and it varies, right? It could be anything from a marketing automation platform, right? Where SaaS is in there. It could be a customer intelligence platform, CRM type platform, again, fraud and security algorithms that just go into your data and say, Hey, Ryan wasn't in this state based on some other data but his credit card was just used there. And it trips those flags based on what we program in through, through SaaS, essentially.
1: And when people are trying to get roles or jobs in the SaaS ecosystem, when they're looking at your certification programs and they're looking, you know, we've said that usually very large companies are the ones that are using your product. And those are the companies that you're going to be working in, right? Because you're getting a certification from SAS and then you are going to then work for one of those companies to upkeep their, I don't know what else to call it, but an instance of of SaaS or your implementation of it. And what are some of the most popular ones that are out there? And I know that you said you have 26 of them, but just to give some concrete examples.
0: So those 26 fall into kind of five categories, right? And the, and the first is programming. That is pretty much the core of what we do, right? If you're going to be a programmer, now, a lot of our software is also point and click, right? But a lot of folks have historically gone in there and, and programmed in SAS and you can program SAS into your business operations. And so programming is is our primary one. That's certification has been around for since 1999 in, in various forms, right? It's obviously as we iterate the software, the, the certifications change, but the programming has been around for quite some time and that's big in the clinical trial space as well. So you, you program within the clinical trials parameters and, and certain standards that that they follow in those in clinical trials. Our next probably biggest bucket would be advanced analytics, right? And that is somewhat theory-based. So we talk about a lot of statistics, building models, and then implementing those models into production within organizations. And these are things, you know, so advanced analytics covers data science. We have a data scientist certification. It's kind of our highest level data science there. Underlying there is, you know, predictive modeling, being able to help your organization make decisions based on what they think is going to be the outcome of, you know, training it with all of your current data and then putting that data into production to make those decisions in an automated fashion. And that can fall into what we call AI, right? And natural language processing, computer vision. These are all components of our AI and machine learning professional certification, which is a subcomponent of our data science Certification, so programming, advanced analytics, and then we talk about what we call visual analytics, right? Which is the, that's the dashboarding stuff, the reporting. It just uh, for instance, right? My team uses a uh, certification dashboard that we've created with our own software. You got to drink your own Kool Aid, right? And when we we can now give that to all of our country managers, everyone that works with our university network, so that they can drill down on how many people took tests this year, how many people, you know, how did this test perform last year versus next year? And that helps us identify areas where maybe we need to update the training or update the certifications or reach back out to a university or reach do, do more activities in a particular country. So that's just one instance of just how we as a very small team use that. And these dashboards go across all of these companies. So, visual analytics is another. And then, administration that's who you call when you don't have permission to something, you can't get in, you know, and that's troubleshooting, logging managing the system, users, identities, all those types of things. And then, uh, you know, one kind of last component is our data management certifications. And that's that's curating the data, making sure it's quality data that, you know, what do they say? Trash in, trash out, that type of thing. So you want to be, there's standards to to how you do all of that. And you use SaaS tools in these roles.
1: That's awesome because it sounds like there is a really wide breadth of different job roles for different people and people that are trying to make different career changes and get into different you know, industries. One of the difficult things when you're first starting out, when you're first making that career transition is you're just saying like, I want to be in it, right? Like that's it. Or I want to learn how to code, or I want to be a programmer. And then when you dig down deeper, you realize, wow, those are a really, that didn't narrow it down very much at all. Right? Like when you say, I want to be an IT or I want to be a programmer, because then you have to think about, let's say uh, with development, you have to think, well, front end background, what languages, am I going to learn SAS or am I going to learn something else, right? I'm going to learn Python or I'm going to learn R. And I kind of wanted to talk about for people that are thinking about SAS and they're thinking about getting training and certification they like, they like what they're hearing so far. And they're like, yeah, you know, working at a big company, working with all of these data sets, working with NLP and AI, that sounds awesome. What can they do? Like, where can they go for this training? What does the training look like?
0: Sure. Sure. And, and, it's kind of a new world, right? And you talk about it all the time. This should not be anything, thing new to you. Um, when we look historically at kind of our learners and, and where they came from, uh, it, it was a lot of folks coming through universities. They were in statistics programs. SAS has kind of been the the gold standard at universities for quite a long time, and so that was the language you started to learn uh, to do this this type of work. And and you just kind of progressed through. And our certifications and, and curriculum were often built into what you studied at a university, but as we've seen a shift, you know, and I don't know what numbers you have right now, but I think it's at 8% or so that that college enrollment is is down. And we're very cognizant of the fact, you know, we can talk more about maybe like the data science skills gap a little bit later, but it's a real thing. And, it, and it's been a factor. And, you know, some of the numbers I've seen are, it's something, and this was just out of the UK, we did a study not that long ago. It was like, there's 10,000 expected graduates annually for like 215,000 jobs. So if you're a company and you're thinking about where where are we going to get these people to fill these roles that are preventing us from rolling out specific technology or or advancing that technology, where are you going to get them? So we now we have to focus and shift a little bit to that independent user as well, right? And and, and be able to offer our training that way. So our training is available in a, in a number of formats, and those are offered through us. You can you can go directly to SAS's website and, and look for it. Everybody always says, well, we want it to be free. We want it to be free. And in some cases, it is. Some of the, the entry-level type stuff is, and we have a seven-day, currently a seven-day free trial, right? So you can go out and, and and dive in, and you can get well on your way. I, I would say this. I would say that you can probably, for relatively cheaply, get through all the training you would need that would align with a cert, one of our certification exams. Not all of them, but some of them. We also offer our training through Coursera, and I think that's a you know forty dollar per month price point, like like all the rest, and that's a subtri- subscription to everything we offer through Coursera. That's not our full catalog, but but most of it. So that's going to help, you know, with that with that organization or that grouping of people, right? The university folks, but as well as the people that that didn't necessarily decided not to go to university, but are interested in just getting into it. There's other folks that we target too, like at corporations that are already using SaaS. Right. But they may have other tools, other things that they're using, but they might say, Well, I've gone as far as I can go with Excel spreadsheets, but I really like analyzing things. I really like writing these, you know, functions in, in Excel and using pivot tables. And I want to go the next step. I, I read something on your website that through some of your program you helped somebody use their education credit within their organization to essentially get to them free training. Right. So we offer our training in packages to these corporations. And then individuals within the corporations can sometimes for free or, you know, whatever that subscription model is, then access that training as well. So it's various platforms kind of all over the place, but there's a lot of different ways to get in without having to dive completely in and learn a little bit more about what it is, you know, you want to know. You know, we talk about university students and, and we have a, a product called SAS Skill Builder. And this is a, a place where they can get free access to all of our e-learning. And, and this doesn't just apply to university students. This is technical school folks, you know, two-year technical schools, that type of thing as well. So you know, we talked a little bit off air before this just about folks that maybe they're in college. They've already made that decision, but they don't like the path they're headed down. Like I said, I was a political science major and I finished that out because that's how many credits I had and going in the right direction. And I wanted to finish in four years. Maybe they're thinking about this data anal- analysis stuff sounds pretty cool. It, it, I see there's lots of jobs out there. Well, as long as you have that edu, you know, you could you could go out and venture out and look at our training and see if that that might be right for you. And there's certification discounts included with that, as well as, you know, free e-learning prep guides for our certifications. So there's a number of different ways to kind of acquaint yourself with what we have to offer from whatever walk of life you're coming.
1: You know, I wanted to touch on. A couple of things that you said there. But the first thing that I wanted to touch on was kind of the education credits that you brought up. I was actually, it's funny that you brought that up because I was actually just having a conversation with an HR director of a medium, you know, 500 person business, which for people listening, like that's huge, which it is huge. Uh, they make many multiples of revenue, many millions of dollars of revenue, but they have education credits for their employees. And they were talking about how little. The you know people take advantage of it. It was something crazy. I don't want to misquote, so I'm not gonna say it was less than 10% though. It was in the single digits of the amount of people that take advantage of the education credit. And you know, we started talking about a little bit about well, maybe it's because of time and maybe it's because of maybe the education credit wasn't comprehensive enough. But you know, that being said. There's a really low acceptance rate, or not even acceptance rate, of uh, adoption rate of people using these credits, and you know the companies. It's already in their budget; like they've already budgeted for it. Otherwise, it would not have been in your benefits package, and so it makes no difference to them whether or not you use it. Not really, at least you know they want you to use it, and also if you use it with them a lot of places they have stipulations on the back end especially if it's a larger sum of money where you may ha- you may have to sign a contract to say hey I'm going to stick on for longer they're investing in you they want you to be better cuz one of the things that we always say on this podcast is that in order to build amazing companies you need amazing people and that's the people that are listening right now and the, the people that are running those companies, they know that and they want to invest in you, but you know you might just have to say, okay, well, I'm going to take advantage of all of these programs. I'm going to take advantage of their education credits, but I might just have to stick around a little bit longer, but in the long run, like let's say that you get a SaaS certification. Let's say that you get any other certification or maybe not even a certification, but you learn a skill and not necessarily with a certification that could, catapult your career into you know into the stratosphere and get you somewhere that you've never thought you would ever be
0: you got to own this process too as the individual and take an active role talk to your folks in hr and other places say hey is this covered by that education credit is this covered By you know, I know we use this software. Do we have any you know discounts for us to be trained on this software? That that type of thing, and that goes across the board. You talk with them, see what can be added if it's not already in there, and, and see what's available to you. We talk with a lot our customers a lot a lot of the time, and they have to go back and update their catalog every so often with you know different certifications that we have or different training courses that weren't at one time covered. So there's all kinds of internal rules, but they're always checking. And they're looking for that feedback internally for what's going to make sense for us to offer so that people are taking advantage of it. You know, to your point, if no one's using it, what's the value in it?
1: Definitely. And just to kind of piggyback onto that point, a lot of times what happens, this is mostly in smaller businesses with the procurement of software. In larger businesses, this is r- largely null. But when you're in a startup and when you're in a small company, which a lot of people listening to this podcast want to want to break into, the founders or the CTO, they are busy doing other things. They just made a decision at one point to go down this software path, whatever it is, whether it's SaaS or whether it's Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever. And they were like, at the time, this was the right thing. And so, if you are on a small team, especially, I mean, this is, still relevant to to larger teams, going to your manager and saying, Hey, I want to learn more about SaaS. I want to learn to get deeper into this. I don't think that we're using the tool correctly they're going to be stoked on that and they might not know that, oh yeah, that's right. We are using that software for this. And I, f- I remember back when we procured the software originally, it didn't have all of these features, and now it does.
0: You're nailing it, because that, that is a, a huge thing that, that we talk about, because there's the obvious benefit from a certification of getting a job, getting a promotion, those types of things. It, it just Anyone can kind of draw that line. But we talk about a, a big benefit being optimization. And I think it was Udemy did a study not that long ago, and it's not uncommon for organizations to use 10 to 15 percent of the features and functionalities of of their software. And they spend millions upon millions of dollars for these licenses and and all of this. And so that's part of it, too, is through the certification process, you learn about features, functionality, how to access them, how to use them. And you might be able to apply that to your current role, to the role you want to get right? I call it kind of like the rising tide, right? It makes the team more efficient. It makes the company more efficient. And when you're becoming more efficient, they're looking back and going, well, we paid for that certification that got us this answer. It's a good cycle to get into.
1: Totally. And to add on that with what happens if you are able to especially add value in that, when they're looking for somebody to head that project up, they're naturally you know, you are going to be the first person since you brought it up and you can save your company or make your company lots of money. If you are just using the current software to its fullest extent, and maybe you are getting rid of one of the service level agreements that they have with another, right? And then, and so they're saying, Hey, I think that we could be using SaaS to do what all these other three tools are doing. And then they, you're like, okay, well prove it out to me. You come up with your presentation and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that looks good. Maybe we have to do a little bit of work around here. Maybe we have to hire a couple of people there, but that we are going to get rid of this contract that we're spending millions of dollars on and this contract and this contract. And I think that this is a very easy, I wouldn't say shortcut, but it's very powerful. If you are able to, you know take that foresight and go to your boss and have the courage to just go to your boss and be like, these are the things that I think can happen. One of the things that I wanted to kind of go back to, which was, you said a lot of the certification process or a lot of the certifications that you folks offer are having to do with programming. And for those that don't have a programming background. What is kind of the best entry point? What is the best starting point for them?
0: We offer uh, kind of three different levels when it comes to certification. And, and some of the, the training to get started with this, again, it is free. And you can just get that straight through our, our website. And I can give you some links here at some point you know, to, to kind of dive into that.
1: We'll have the links. Uh, if you uh, shoot those to me, we'll have links for everything at degreefree.co slash podcast if folks want to get the links
0: we have an associate level it's a more knowledge based type certification and that's where you're learning about sas learning about syntax learning about uh the various features and, and, and or the the functionality and the the different procedures that you can use within sas and you're, and you're learning in essentially two courses to write that code we al- I always want to s- stress the fact that you know it's always kind of a chicken and an egg argument about you know we do write our certifications with a certain level of experience in mind. You have to have that standard, right? Otherwise it's, it's not valuable in the market. It's, it's, who is this person? We call it, you know, in the certification world, the minimally qualified candidate. Um, And that's going to be kind of different at our different levels. And and that's, you know, to, to to just extrapolate on that for a second, that's, we set the standard at a three foot fence, right? We don't care if you can jump a five foot fence. That's great. You're more than qualified, but if you can't jump this three foot fence, we're sorry. We're not going to put you know we're not going to put the SAS name on that credential and, and have you move forward with that. So we kind of have these three different levels. Our first is just a multiple choice based test, and it's based on understanding those fundamental concepts of how to program in SAS, the the core things that somebody's going to use and, and get started with. And it was actually aimed at or designed with the student in mind, and it's more of a knowledge based type certification. The next two and which are, are Evidently, our two most popular certifications are a base and an advanced programming. And we put those at the specialist and the professional level, just if anyone's out there looking at them. And that's learning some of the same concepts, but then being able to apply that to certain situations. And we actually, with those, those are two of our performance-based tests. And with those performance-based tests, you are actually operating in a lab environment, writing SAS code based on certain project parameters that we give you you know filter all of this data to show us only the values between you know x and, and y and that type of thing using using your programming skills and then from there you're answering questions based on that information uh, so that's for base and, and advanced and advanced obviously is the more advanced, programming feature. So it's not where somebody, it's, it's the deep end of the pool, so to speak, right? No one's going to jump in and start with the advanced certification. They would start it at that base level, or they might start at that associate. And we kind of market that not just to the student, but also maybe the manager, right? Maybe somebody that's not going to be doing the programming, but wants to understand the basics of it, that type of thing, they can shoot towards that associate level level credential.
1: When you're beginning your career or when you're trying to make career transitions, as most of the people that are listening to this podcast are, they are doing something that they really don't want to do. Maybe you're a server at a restaurant or maybe you're a mechanic listening to this and you are trying to think about your next step. One of the difficult humps that you have to get over in your mind when you're looking at getting these certifications is, is this company going to be around or do I want to hitch my whole career around SaaS or what we talk about a lot on this podcast is Salesforce or HubSpot, any of these different softwares out there. I know the conversations because I've had conversations with so many people. The first question is like, is it going to be useful or how long do I have to do this for? And for SaaS specifically, I guess one, how do we address that question? And then two, what does the upward mobility, once you're getting one of these, let's say one of the entry level, certifications, what does that look like? I mean, obviously you can go up to your base and your advance, but as far as if there's some trees, as far as different career careers go.
0: Sure, sure. And this, you know, SaaS or or elsewhere, I kind of liken it to like a metaphor of like picking stocks, right? You can think about future returns and guess and, and hope, but the best way to really find a secure strategy for moving forward is to look back, right? So whether it's SaaS or, you know, there's lots of startups out there, so maybe they don't have that long history. But as you're looking at these, look, look, at these skills, look at them over time, kind of own this process, right? And look at the strength of the company. SAS has been a leader for, for 40 years, right? And, and we're still engaged in, in, in some of these industries. And that's we, we get quotes from a lot of people that, you know, we got these surveys and things like, what did SaaS certification do for you? And a lot of them say, it gave me the opportunity to work in any industry that I want. Right, so you can take that that SaaS programming skill, and you can apply it in health healthcare. You can apply it in fraud. You can apply it in, in other places. And with each of those different opportunities, you're learning about that industry, but you're also learning the ways that they might apply SaaS. You know, particularly there. You know, it's it's hard to kind of say. I mean, I can, I can we can talk through some of the different career roles where uh, SAS is is popular. And and I'll say it this way. So I, I like. You know, Listening to some of what you and Hannah have done in the past and talking about kind of looking at the job requisitions and then working your way backwards, that's valuable. I think we see it's kind of a pendulum swing, in my opinion, about how seeing the actual certification listed in the job requisitions, it's rare in any IT certification that it's a requirement right? Because these are not licensed to practice like they are in, in the medical field or other places. It's more common to see it in the, the preferred area. You know, we prefer a certain certification, but it's not always even in there. And I started to do some homework about why that is. And especially with the recent job market prior to, it's kind of loosened up a little bit, but it was a little bit tighter a few years ago. We we're talking about this gap, this skills gap and how it's growing. And you're looking for people to hire and you already have a shallow pool the more requirements you start to put into that job wreck, the sh- more shallow and shallow and shallow that pool gets. And, and I like your philosophy that you guys talk about, like apply anyway, even if I don't feel I meet that requirement, apply anyway, right? Like build those skills and, and work towards it. But not everybody does that. So you're you're shrinking that pool from, from the get-go. So for me, it's look for good, solid company history. And then it's look at the skills in that job wreck, because I can more often than not take a SaaS job the job posting, I can put it right next to one of our credentials and the things that we are validating and assessing that you can do align completely with those skills, even though the certification might not be spelled out specifically in, in that, that job posting. So that's, that's, you know, one factor, but there is a, a an opportunity for progression, right? You might start as a programmer these jobs, are like statistical programmers, mid-level data analysts, a data analyst to a, to a data scientist is a natural progression but you know you're, you're not always going to get into certain roles without that deeper statistical understanding you know sometimes there is requirements for phd masters levels things uh, like that but you can put yourself in a position to learn those skills starting maybe in a data analyst position right that's more entry level that's learning how to do those those that data visualization stuff that we talked about a little bit earlier and then figure out how you can progress that into a a, a different type of role or set your sights on data scientist and and support your understanding of of the software that you're working with, with additional education. You, you know, it's we, we can't teach everything, but we can teach you how to use our tools in that environment.
1: I'm really glad that you said, basically, you know, you've gotten notes from people saying that once they've gotten certified with SaaS, it helped them break into any industry that they wanted afterwards. The reason why, and I want to make it clear to everybody listening here, we didn't, speak about this beforehand is that is the same principles that I tell people about certifications when they're thinking about getting these certifications from these different companies. Yes, at the time, it is a massive, massive undertaking and it's a massive risk. Changing jobs and changing careers is scary. And you're going into the unknown, you're jumping off of a cliff. And for a moment, you are hitching your wagon to this certification, to SaaS, to Salesforce, whatever it is that you're using. but that doesn't mean that your your career has to stay there, right? Like you are going to learn so much in that role and you can go, any place after that. The biggest transition that you're going to make is from listening to this podcast and doing whatever it is that you're doing now, wrenching underneath that car, changing oil to sitting into the desk. And once you're sitting underneath the desk, you can make career transitions from there. And so this is just a larger general point as far as career mapping goes. While I do think career mapping is very useful. You definitely want to start with some sort of goal in mind and then work your way backwards. I think a lot of times you can get stuck in analysis paralysis and be like, well, SAS might not be the certification for me because this is not how I'm going to get there. The point of the matter is that you just don't know what you don't know and you can't know until you take that jump and you take that leap. So I definitely suggest people who are listening to this, if it's something that you're thinking about with SaaS or with any of these other certifications, but go to the SaaS website, right? And go to the SaaS website, take that seven day free trial and figure out whether or not this is, for you. R- figure out whether or not you want to keep going down this. And and you kind of mentioned it with Coursera. That's a really a low risk way of doing it because Coursera has such a breadth and depth of other courses on their platform. You can go and sample, you know, it's basically a buffet. You go and sample all the different things that you want to or might want to learn.
0: Sure. And let's remember, at Coursera specifically, you can audit a lot of these things, right? And you don't get the benefits like the certificate that comes at the end and some of those other things that you do if, if you're a paying person. But if, if, it, if the goal is to learn this stuff and to learn it quickly or to understand, is it right for me? There are very low cost ways to to, to dive in and do that. You know, but your, one other little stock uh, metaphor, right? It, diversification, right? That's, uh, so you can talk about multiple industries you might up, end up in, but as you're learning these skills, you will start to understand what the natural progressions are within that and finding other certifications. So maybe you hold, you know, it's not uncommon for somebody to hold SaaS certifications and Microsoft certifications, right? Like a cloud certification or or whatever that is, they come together and, and there's a lot of research that's been done on this. And the more certifications you have, the faster your trajectory to professional influence is right? And they measure pro- professional influence by a number of different things, like uh, when you've been a manager on projects and, and different roles you've held within the last certain period of time. But it's something like two and a half times the influence on digital transformation projects is somebody with a certification than somebody without it. Two and a half times faster that you're going to get to that, that professional influence. If you have two to five certifications, as much professional influence after three years as somebody has no certifications in six years, right? So it, it cuts down and it increases that. It, it's just a it, Continues that cycle and continues that ball rolling of that continuous learning journey, which is critical to anybody in in any role, really. Um, And it's not always, hey, I stick to this one certification path and that's it. It's whatever that role develops into. What's that next thing I need to learn? And how do I validate that I've learned it?
1: Totally. Totally. Talking about the validation of how you learn this, I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the certification process or the certific- like the program building process and the program. Uh, I don't even know what you call it, but uh, how you have certain standards for the certification in which you, you know, confer onto you know the people that pass the certification. You said something. You said what are some signals, or you were talking about signals that you have to update the program. Yours were looking at different. I mean, I guess data about. Okay, it's time that we go back and look at this and update this, and to maybe change the test here or change what we're speaking about or what we're teaching here. And I thought that this was a really interesting point to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and get a look backstage of what goes on in the background. I'll give my own personal experience with some of these certifications. I have a PMP, I have the project manager professional and I didn't know what the PMP was at all. Like I think it was three years ago, I got it or two years ago. I had no idea. I went from, I just wanted to take it because I was like, I don't know. I was a fireman at the time. I was running into burning buildings and I didn't need it for my job. I just thought it was interesting. And I was like, okay, well. I'll just get a PMP. And so I went from not knowing it existed to three weeks later, like getting it. And I looked on the subreddit PMP, and there's like a litany of, you know, wealth of knowledge there of how people have gotten their certifications. But one of the things that I honed in on was that the test that I took was significantly easier than the test, you know, a year ago. And for if anybody is listening to this from PMI, please reach out to me, contact at degreefree.co if you'd like to speak about this, that's fine. So I've never taken the earlier test that was supposedly harder, but I've taken this test and like I said, I went from three weeks, never hold, held a project management position before. I mean, I've run companies, so I've run plenty of projects. I'm plenty qualified to sit for that exam, but and obviously I passed it on my first try. But you know, I was wondering, how do you folks at SAS, you know, think about updating and changing your certification process, but then also the materials of what you put inside of it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we try to shy away from from the words of easier and harder, right? And there, But there's always this perception, this public perception. A little example of that is that we talked about our exam moving to a performance-based, right? And for us, that was somewhat market-driven. Right. But it wasn't until more recently that that the technology was available to to do this where we could actually have you sit down and and program right there in the lab and then you know grade you based on that. But what we saw was that when we implemented this, I think it was twenty nineteen, there was a huge spike in people that wanted to take the old test, the non-performance-based test. When I'm thinking, well, I would want to take the new one, the one that the show me test, not that but it's it's a perception issue of that was easier or, or, or the devil you know, right? Maybe that's why we took this test versus the new one. So that, you know, just as, a, as an aside, that's sometimes where people say, well, this is easier or that's easier. Well, not so much. These are just different vehicles by which we're assessing the same thing. Number of different factors. Some of those are related to what we talked about with validity, reliability, and all of that. We're constantly looking at the statistics of our, our tests, Right. And and these are item level statistics. This is how is this particular question performing, right? If everybody's getting it right, well, it's either too easy or there's something in there. There's people that we call kind of test wise, right, that they're good at taking tests. So they're looking for certain cues and certain, you know, so we, we train all of our subject matter experts to write so that they're avoiding these types of cues and all of these things. But those are some factors, right? Individual item level statistics and then overall exam level statistics things like if the pass rate all of a sudden spikes or the pass rate all of a sudden drops that can indicate things like exposure right that the, the test that somebody has you know taken started to memorize questions and write them down and share them places right and, and those kind of things so there always has to be this and that's another good earmark of, of a quality program is validity is protected through exam integrity activities, protecting the security of your intellectual property, the tests all of that. so so those, we're always looking at those factors. In terms of how the test is performing, and the content should be changed, updated, reworked because of that. But as far as you know, as the software progresses, as the job roles progress, that's a constant feed, feedback loop between you know research and development. Here's some new features that are coming out. Here's what's coming out down the road. You got to get these into the training. You got to get these into the exams. Tech support. There's there's feedback loops through tech support. This is a common problem. Right. Everybody runs into this problem, so we need to teach people how to get around that problem. Or if this error message, this is a for a great question, right? You see this error message. What do you do that, that type of thing? Then there's you know working directly with our customers going to our, our bigger customers. How are you using the software? What are you coming across? What do you like? What do you not like? Where do you feel your people need to, to learn or to upskill? And then that gets into the training courses. That gets into to the certification exams as well. And and then just a a, a, we have university professors, but we as certification, we also take feedback from individuals. Right? You can comment on any single question in our test, uh, and we review those comments. You can comment on the test in general. You know, are we are we hitting the mark? In in your opinion, now. When somebody fails and tells us the test was terrible, we treat that a little bit differently than if 30 people are telling us one certain thing, you know, you got to kind of balance that, but that's the feedback. And then also just as an organization, as a company, keeping an eye on, you know, what is happening in the field beyond SaaS's doors, what is happening in AI, what's happening in machine learning, what's happening in, 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 this, this space and, and what do we need to be teaching those skills that aren't necessarily specific to our software But that somebody in that job role that's going to be using that software really needs to understand. It's one thing to be able to program a model and put it into production. But if you don't understand what the model's doing, you're not as qualified maybe as somebody that does, right?
1: With the certifications and the whole certifications market, it's so difficult for the consumer, for people like me to look at all of these things and parse out what is legit and what is not what is going to help me further my career what is not and I kind of wanted to talk about the differences between certifications and certificates right and maybe like assessments versus certificates if there's anything that you can glean you know to our listenership sure I, and i wish i had
0: you know the silver bullet answer for you but I, I think it's we've never been in this place before just as a market i don't know if it was it had to do with kind of COVID and a lot of online learning and and other things happening and the job market changes and all of that that kind of got us here but there, there's something like over 1 million earnable credentials right now And you know i was recently at a, at, a, at a conference where you know we all get together and nerd out over this assessment stuff and, and we had somebody from uh, the human resources organization i think sherm is, is the, the the name right and and they had done a survey that talked about how alternative credentials are becoming more important in the eyes of executives in the eyes of, of hiring managers but that they're the biggest challenge with all of them is this big conflation of the organizations being at the table to articulate what is this, and then when you stack them next to each other, what's what's which one should we be looking for, right? Even even here at SAS, we have our certifications, and that's what we see as our gold standard. But we also have professional certificates available through Coursera. Um, our perce- our professional certificates are designed with certification in mind as the goal, and, and you know to talk about the difference between the various things and there's so many now right you have certifications i'm biased that's that's the gold standard to me because i feel like if you're not going to take a test at the end what's the point right if you're just a warm body in a seat and some things are being badged as just having been in the seat you know there's certification there's professional certificates they have usually have some level of assessment built in our certifications you know when we talk about certifications it's summative right it's based on that minimally qualified candidate, that level of experience that we feel you should have, the job tasks associated with what you will do on the job, all of those things, when you factor them together, that's what we're assessing. When you talk about like an assessment or a learning outcome, that's more, did you take this course and did you digest what was in the course and can you spit that right back out? That, you know, and, and that's a different level of assessment. There's what we call micro-credentials, right? And those are defined many different ways by many different organizations, smaller chunks. There's certain thresholds that we follow in terms, of like how many questions can you really make in an, an, an assumption? I can't ask you one question about an objective and know that you understand it completely. But if I ask you three, four, five, then I can get to the point of of, of judging that competency. Um, so we follow these very strict, rigorous rules. Now, I do want to say that there is a place for all of these different things in education, in training, in learning. I think the market kind of needs to sort them out. I think we as sponsor organizations need to get better at articulating the differences and and what's really important. And then I also put some of it on the individual When you're in that job interview. You need to be saying, Hey, look, you know, I got my PMP and this is what that means. These are the standards that I, that I was held to in passing that. And and that's going to help them get that point across. Just a little side story, you know, a pre former boss of mine was, was talking about how she had been in an interview process and she had taken a one hour. Cloud literacy course, you know, at one point, and got a badge for it. It went on her resume. She had all these other lofty, you know, things that she had done over time. The guy that was interviewing her spent the bulk of that interview talking about how impressed he was about her cloud knowledge, based on this little sticker essentially that said, you know, you're a cloud expert or whatever you call whatever whatever they called it. And it just it goes to show that even the hiring managers are dealing with some of that conflation. So I think it's important as an individual look for those earmarks. Look for. How long they've been around? What they're you know? Do you have to take that test? What's the test look like? Ask questions. You know that that that's key. Is there an exam integrity program? If, if it's you know through a testing vehicle that they're protecting the the, the validity because you know a few bad actors can ruin it for everybody. Um, but you want that value to remain in the market. Uh, so those are those are some things to to look for. But yeah, I mean it's you know we're badging everything micro credentials. It's all it's confusing.
1: Definitely is. I feel very torn on this subject when it comes up because degree free what it's all about is getting rid of that paper bias the, you know eliminating that college degree required on the job descriptions and on the job listings right and when it does say college degree required you just apply anyway right just put your put your application in and just see if it happens because well what we know uh, I hear a degree free, but from talking from many, many people in very large organizations uh, that they have good data that they do not hire people that look like their job descriptions. It's just, they just do not hire people like that. And so why their job descriptions look like that, You know, that's the question. And that's something that exactly what you're talking with the market's going to have to parse out over the coming years and months, because Unfortunately, a lot of people self eliminate from the job search, right? And I know this because I was one of those people, I used to look at a job description, especially like in college, when I was getting my economics degree, I would not apply to jobs yet because all of the jobs said degree required. And then when I got my degree, I started applying to jobs or my last semester, I started applying jobs saying, oh, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to graduate. And I didn't get hired for a really long time and the reason why was because they didn't really care about that college degree what they wanted was they wanted somebody to provide value in that role they wanted to some, somebody to come in and understand this is the role whatever the role is and how you can provide value in that whether it's customer support tickets and you are you know shaving down your customer support times or taking phone calls cold calls whatever your job is how can you provide value and that's what they cared about you know it took me a long time to f- figure that out but the thing that I'm concerned about is you know on this podcast and everything that we do, we talk a lot about certs because it is becoming more and more prevalent in the market, as you were saying. But as we talk about it more, I kind of foresee a future in where there it's going to switch from the paper bias now to this cert bias. And now you have to have this certification. But you might have the skills to do it already. You might have learned Python outside of any traditional metric that you can measure. And you have all of these portfolio projects. But the fact of the matter is, is the hiring process is convoluted and it's difficult for a lot of hiring managers. They, you know, How can you systematize and make a process for the hiring and the way that you do it is how we got here in the first place with this paper bias 50 years ago or so the college degree probably did mean something because the internet didn't exist. There was no place else to go and get knowledge right? Like literally they had the laboratories, literally they had the computers and the, and the books. You had to go there to get educated. And now today with the internet, it's never been easier to self-educate. It's never been easier to learn online with certification programs like yours or certificate programs uh, like SAS's or any of the million that you talked about. And it's it's something that I feel very torn about because I think it is better than what's going on today, in that, you know, it's better than spending four years of your life and going into crushing debt to get a four-year degree than rather getting really hyper specific about your career goals and and honing in on this one thing. Like I'm gonna be the best at SaaS implementations of, you know, NLP, of, of AI or of data analytics. This is what I'm gonna do. And then I'm just going to be like a surgeon instead of like a shotgun blast, you know, and I'm going to go with, in with a scalpel and do it. But at a certain point, you know, sometime in the near future, I, you know, I'd like to get your opinion on it, you know, is there going to be like, is certs, are certs the new college degrees? Are certs going to take that path?
0: We do a lot and, and pay attention to all of the surveys and, and things that are out there. And there, there is no silver bullet, right? Certification I'll never say is the silver bullet, um, and which, what do you want to get on your resume? What do you want to get in front of the recruiter that's going to get you hired? That, 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 that's as the individual, right? I'll put anything on here. Like if, if that cloud sticker that we just talked about gets you, gets you hired, that it got the job done, right? Um, but what we found in, in hearing this from hiring managers and others is, is that certifications kind of establish this this baseline of trust, right? You might still get the job otherwise, but the certification going through that that kind of extra step That gets your resume from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile, right? They they interviewed a bunch of hiring managers, 60% said that having IT certifications on your resume, it's more likely that 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 application is going to be reviewed, right? So that's the first step, get it reviewed because it's not just sitting there on the the pile with the rest. And then 66% said that those that were reviewed had a higher chance of being interviewed thereafter. Right. And that's because of just kind of this baseline of trust. We need this skill set that measures this skill set. We'll take it. It doesn't mean there aren't other skills in that job rec or other things they're looking for that are also important. But that for me, it's that that initial put it on the top of the pile. One of your previous guests, you know, I think he was saying, I don't look for jobs anymore. Jobs come to me. Right. Right. And that's 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 part of it too. That's one of the benefits of getting that certification as well. Having that there is that. That's sometimes what they're going out there and looking for specifically. You know, it is there is a conflation of all of these different things and what is the value of each of them as you stack them up next to each other. And I think that's what we need to to work through as a. And I, you know, the market will ultimately handle that, I believe. But it's when you're confusing the HR professionals and the hiring managers you know, we got to figure out what the next step is. And to your point, you know, we talk a lot about this in assessment, like is the certification or the certification exam kind of the, the the dinosaur, if you will, of of assessment, but we are always forward thinking. There's always going to be a need for assessing. And the question is, how do we do that in the future? You know, without going down a huge rabbit hole, when you talk about chat GPT and all this open AI and those new technologies, is there going to be a way that I can assess your skills without making you take a test, right? That I, I can do it while you're while you're on the job, while you're doing certain, check that box. He used this functionality. He used this, 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 you know, and how do you do that for somebody who's not working at the job already, right? How do you do that for somebody that's just trying to break into the industry? And so there, I think it will ultimately be a mix of things. I think currently, uh, I still believe strongly that the certification exam, whether it's performance-based, multiple choice, you know, whatever it is, whatever the vehicle it is still the the gold standard for, for that assessment of somebody's competency that really does make the difference between being on the, the bottom of the pile or in the pile and being moved to the top of the pile.
1: I did want to talk a little bit about AI. I know that we don't have a lot of time left, but I did want to talk a little bit about it and kind of go down that rabbit hole, as you were saying, just at least at a surface level. And I guess I'll start with AI where is SAS going with that because it seems like there's a lot of data involved right like you're basically a data company you know from a from my you know uneducated opinion and you're you're helping decision makers make decisions on their own data and implement their data in more strategic ways where is AI playing a role in that it seems like with data analytics and with data gathering, it seems like AI is going to do a really fantastic job at that. And where do you know the SaaS developers and the certifications come into play in, in that landscape? Sure,
0: and, and you know some of this is above my pay grade in terms of of, of where we're headed, right? Uh, as a company in the AI space, in the certification world, you know it's it's you're developing the software. And then not, we're not developing it in the certification world, obviously, but we, the development is happening. The momentum is happening in that space. We, you know, then we're training on it. How do you, how do you get into it, know it, understand it, be able to, to apply it within your organization. And then we're assessing people's ability to do those things. But, you know, in a nutshell, we take tons of data and that's different by organization. That's different by, is this sensor data that's telling you that, that, a uh, farm equipment that uh, is going to go faulty within the next week, so that you have the new farm equipment headed to the to the site because downtime for them costs them money, right? That's that's one point of data. Uh, you look at a telecom company, and that's churn. What are the what are the three, four, or five things that happen before somebody cancels their contract with you? You know, with Verizon, is it AT and T? You know, how many calls do you get? Where can you intervene in that process and stop it? So what AI does is, you know, we take all of that data. You build a model to start to understand what happens. Where are the similarities? What are some of those touch points? Right? Of maybe it's a call into customer service. Maybe it's a it's an outage. It's this that you know. It's it's these. Th- and as you these three, if these four things happen, there's a ninety-two percent likelihood that you're going to cancel your contract, right? So it it tra- you train these models on all of that data, and then you put these models into production, and then where the artificial part comes in is, right, these models are then learning from the outcome, right? So that's what, so we talk about, you know, chat GPT as an example. My understanding of how that works is that it, you know, it was trained on a massive amount of data, internet, et cetera, but it's not currently still being trained. Like if you ask it a question about who's going to win or who won, you know, the Super Bowl last year, it doesn't know because it stopped in, I think, 2020 or something like that. What makes AI powerful is understanding that the outcome, so did I get that question right? Okay, yes, feed that back into the model. You know, make the tweaks back into the model. And so that's what, you know, that, that's what the AI is doing. It build. You, you, we're, we're, we're working with folks to help build those models, help them understand how to build those models that can predict that behavior, and then is the outcome correct? And then feed that back into the models. And then when you're feeding it back into the models, the models are getting smarter, they're learning, right? That And when they're learning, that's when it becomes artificial intelligence, essentially, right? That's, that's moving forward like that. That's where SaaS is headed is to continue, obviously, advancing that where we can.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy time that we're living in because this, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning, it is happening so quickly right under our noses and people that can recognize it quickly and adjust their skills to fill that market demand and maybe that market demand isn't here now but that market demand is coming you know I, and i'm not sure if i'm accurate or not but i think that you know having a basic level of understanding of you know ai models or at least some basic level of understanding of programming and it doesn't have to be about AI. It could just be something as simple as Python or something like that. Not that Python is simple, but something like that is going to be very similar to your base understanding of, let's just say, business in general. That you know, people have sell things, and then they, you know, and that there's expenses. I think it's going to be like that's how quickly this technology is moving.
0: Sure. These and are, These are key concepts, right? Data literacy. Uh, and we do have a data literacy course that's absolutely free um, that, that SAS has put together, right? Because we, we recognize that need for just very entry-level understanding of what this means. And then maybe from there, there's cloud literacy. That cloud literacy is huge. If you want to work in IT now, you need to understand the cloud, the basics of it, to be able to decide if that's the direction you, you want to go. But yeah, it's a good way to get started to understand if this is something
1: for you. Yeah, totally. And Matt, Thank you so much for taking the time today. As a final, do you have any last requests or asks? Of the audience before I ask where they can find you?
0: wwwsascom slash certification. You're going to find all this information or slash learn as well is another option. So that's, that's where you would find, look me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to, to connect with anyone uh, in your audience, to talk about these things. So I appreciate being here. It's been a, been a great time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like I said, for everybody listening, show notes are going to be at degreefree.co slash podcast. And I'll put a link to everything that we talked about in this episode there. Matt, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge about SaaS. This was a great conversation for anybody who's thinking about, you know, their next step and how to, you know, get certifications or even a peek behind the curtain of how certifications work. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks Ryan. How'd you like that episode? I hope you got a lot of value out of this conversation with Matt, where we talked all about SaaS certifications and the certification process in general. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave a review wherever it is that you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple. If you'd like to learn more about SaaS and everything that they're doing there, you can go to sas.com. If you'd like to learn more about the SaaS certifications, go to SaaS.com forward slash learn. Once again, links to everything can be found at degreefree.co forward slash podcast. And if you haven't already go to degreefree.co slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly.